1: Kind words, and we, we echo those. This is a very special family, Brother and Sister Staten and their four amazing daughters. Um, so much talent wrapped up in this family and so much passion for the kingdom of God and the things of God. And they have been a blessing all across our movement, as you know. And I have said this in our home church. I love Brother Staten <clears throat> for a lot of reasons, but I've watched him minister to the crowds of tens of thousands, and I've watched him minister to crowds of 50, 100. And he has the same passion same zeal, the same desire, the same burden. And I I like to be around people that love people. People, people, they are the single most appreciable asset that we have in the kingdom. You are, you are, God's instrument, God's tool in His hand, and I want to be around people that believe in people, that believe in people's opportunity to become better than what they are, to become everything that God has created them to be, to rise to new levels of faith, and to confidently serve the Lord, especially in the season that we have been in of late and, and so I, I got the opportunity actually for the first time to meet Sister Staten today. And we've heard so many wonderful things about her. And I, I don't know how I have not met Brooke before last night. Um, but it's good to meet her. And we have been blessed um, by her music. And she is a wonderful talent and great, great person. <clears throat> She's a great individual, got a great heart. And both Brooke and Cameron have been good friends to my daughter, Madison. And I'm glad that Madison was able to come with me on this trip. And Riley, I don't know where she went, but she was, there you are right there, front and center. I haven't looked right in the center yet. I've looked everywhere but the center. So she's right in the bullseye. But uh, she was with your pastor last time he came down to greater faith. And I'm going to tell you. His ministry has been such a blessing to us on so many levels and has been a, a deep and genuine connection with our church. And they love him so very much. And so I thank you for allowing him to get out and minister. I believe in the five-fold ministry moving throughout local congregations for the perfecting of the church, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Amen. And so... Um, Brother Staten ha- has been a tremendous blessing to us, and he's been a good friend, and I trust him, and he's a, he's a friend, he's a confidant, and I'm so grateful for, for him and this great church. What a beautiful building that you have here. It's probably, you've been here three years, and it's probably just kind of old hat to you all. Um, but I was asking him, I didn't know if y'all moved in here, did y'all build this and you have all this land. I found out you have forty acres and I almost punched him because we don't we don't I mean, we're looking for land and we're landlocked and, and we're trying we might we might just bring our church and build another another church right over there on all that land that you have. <laughs> but uh but anyway, I uh, I didn't almost punch him, no, I actually did though, I really did, I almost punched him, but, but I didn't, but almost did, but I wanted to, but I didn't, we're in the house of God, but no, I, I am, uh, that's my silly sense of humor, I am so thankful for you, you don't know how blessed that you are, um, because the enemy doesn't want to see churches expand, especially in this time. In this season, I was glad to see Brother Johnson when I came in to uh, today, and his brother uh, Isaac. And uh, do you have one more brother? Uh, Yes. Okay. I always forget that for whatever reason, but um, (laughs) okay, we'll we'll talk about that later. But anyway, their their family is famous in Indiana. They're a blessing, and his father has been our district secretary for a long time. And one of the kindest men, I don't know if he's been here, but just one of the kindest men that you'll ever meet. I rarely have seen him, if ever, without a smile on his face. Um, Brother Mark Johnson, and um, so glad to have Brother, uh, good to see Brother uh, Johnson this morning. You know, um, faith, faith is something a lot more complex than I think we give it credit for. And I think that's why we struggle so much with, with saying we have faith or exercising faith or seeing the fruit of our faith, I think we underestimate the element of faith. We have tried to simplify it, and simplifying it to me is the wrong direction because it's really not that simple. If it was that simple, there wouldn't be any sick in this building. If it was that simple. If it was that simple, everybody would be saved. If if it was that simple, every church would be busting at the seams. We'd be praying people through by the thousands every day. But faith is not that simple. And the reason that it's not that simple is because of flesh. Flesh is the greatest impediment to faith. I'm going to try to help us understand a little bit about that today and possibly plant some seeds. But what I need you to do is reach down on the inside of you. Faith resides in the spirit. Man is made up of body, soul, and spirit. In the body is the five senses of taste and touch and sight and the hearing and so forth. And then the soul is made up of the mind, the will, and the emotions. So the mind, the will, and the emotions are affected by the outside world, but they're also affected by the spirit, and the soul is called in between the spirit and the flesh. But the spirit has three entities also, the first of which is faith. Faith is where God imparted to us, to every man, everybody say, that's me, a measure of faith. He parted to every man in our spirit a measure of faith. And then from that springs in the spirit the intuition and the conscience. The intuition and the conscience. They are the navigation instruments of the spirit. And they operate by faith. If something's wrong with faith, the intuition, the conscience cannot do. They cannot discern. They cannot navigate. They cannot convict. They cannot keep us on the right path. All of us, I think, know when we've done something wrong. Is that right? Because something violates the conscience. That's in the spirit. Something pricks the spirit of man. And in there, it's God trying to tap into faith. So the the intuition and the conscience there, they are, they are limited by the five senses. And I'll let you be seated in just a moment, but we're, we're going to pray before we're seated. The five senses that, that we use to connect with the outside world. We, we walk by sight. We walk by hearing. We walk by touch. If we can't touch it, it must not be real. If we can't see it, it must not be real. If we can't hear it, it must not be real. And our body is constantly sensing the outside world, constantly. And it is those senses that will deceive you. It's those senses that the enemy plays on. That's why when there's a disease in the body, the enemy plays on symptoms. He uses symptoms to lie to the spirit to conflict what God is saying to the spirit about what he will do to heal the body or to deliver someone from sin or whatever it is that you might need today. And so we have to disconnect ourselves from the senses. We have to get rid of what we know in the brain, what we see with the eyes, what we hear, and we have to tap into the spirit. Now, when somebody says, I feel the Holy Ghost, a lot of times what they're talking about is those little goosebumps that we feel. That's not really the Holy Ghost. That's angels. Feeling in the spirit doesn't feel like an emotion. It doesn't feel like an emotion. It's deep within. So you take your mind and you focus on the inner man. And when you feel after God, you are feeling by faith. Now, faith is moved, and the spirit man is moved by what his word says. Nothing else. Faith is not moved by anything else. It's not moved by feeling. It is moved by his word. And his word is forever settled. So today, when the word is preached, life is going to be released. This is not we're, not, we're not here to catch a sermon. We're not here to, that was a good thought or whatever, We are here to breathe in the life that we know is going to be released by his word. And we receive it by faith. You cannot receive it by faith or by by senses. You have to receive it by faith. And so right now we are going to pray in faith. And we're not going to focus on what we see and hear and feel. We are going to focus on what we know. You cannot have faith in something you don't know. You don't know it without the preached Word of God. And so when the Word is preached, there is a revelation and an understanding that comes to us that we can wrap our faith around. Does that make sense? So we're going to pray right now by faith. Would you pray with me, Father, in the name of Jesus? I, I pray, Lord, against every possible hindrance that would be in this place today. There are needs in this place right now, and Lord, we have been through a very tumultuous time and season. We, Lord God, we seek your face by faith right now, and I pray that you would eradicate false concepts and old wives' tales and vain philosophies and what this one thinks or what that opinion said. God, we we don't rely on any of that. We rely on the Word of God. I pray, Lord, that you would let your Word live and breathe in this place and let there be a spiritual authority that is released through the Word of God and by the power of the shed blood of Jesus. Let the Holy Ghost move in this place right now, dear Father. I pray God that you would unlock the minds of people. I pray that you would unlock our hearts and that you would unlock our spirits here this morning. Come on, lift your voice, would you? Let let him hear you pray. I, I want you to pray with passion and zeal and authority. That's it. That's it. In Jesus' name, all the singing, all the praise and the worship that has gone forth. Now, Lord God, I pray that you would take us a little higher, take us a little deeper. I pray, Father, connect us to your word. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Lord God, infiltrate this place. God, we take dominion over everything that would hinder your word. We're not worried about demonic spirits here this morning. But if you could help us to get our flesh out of the way. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, would you clap your hands unto the Lord and give him a great shout of praise? Would you lift your voice and give him a great shout of praise? Amen. Amen. I'm going to let you be seated. And I I want to turn to a uh, familiar passage of scripture. Most of you are going to realize or recognize immediately. But don't lose me here. In John chapter one, the scripture said, "In the beginning was the Word." In the beginning was the Word. It's important to realize that the Word was the beginning. God did not have a beginning, but His Word had a beginning in our creation. When God speaks... Creation and the spirit realm must obey. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, And without him, without who? God, the Word. Without God and his Word was not anything made that was made. And so if he made it, he can fix it. He's not just the master creator, the master architect, but he is the master handyman. He can fix it. He can fix anything in here today. There is nothing that he cannot, and there is nothing that he will not fix. Everybody say, it is God's will. It is God's will. Now, the reason that we know that it is his will is because of his word. His word is not just a few verses that we pick out and talk about faith, but everything that is in this book is the description of who he is, his nature, his character, and what he desires to do with humanity. You have no idea how desperately God wants to act on your behalf today. There's no way to hardly comprehend it. The only way... To know it is by faith. Without him was not anything made that was made, and in him was life. There was no death. There was no weakness. There was no frailty, but just life. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The life was the light. His word brings forth life. And light there's no darkness in him, and we'll find that out here in just a moment. The Bible said that the, the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now the word comprehended there is literally apprehended. It apprehended it not. It could not obtain it. It could not hold on to it. It could not limit it. The darkness could not limit, it could not attain, it could not get a grip on the light. And so, whenever God's word is spoken, it releases life, and life releases light, and when light is released, darkness cannot hold on to it. So, whatever form of darkness that we might have in our lives, whatever that looks like, it doesn't matter if it's disease, oppression, depression, poverty, division, being attacked by witchcraft, spirit of Jezebel, and none of that matters because his word dispels the darkness. And so we don't come in here today to hear a sermon. We're not, we're not here to hear a sermon. I'm not here to preach you a sermon. I am here to preach the word to you. I am here to release life and light and revelation and understanding so that darkness has to be dispelled. Amen. The word was before all things. Now, when you go to the book of Genesis chapter 1, and I, I don't want to Bore you with just familiarity here, but this also talks about the beginning. In the beginning was in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, "Let there be light." God said. Let there be light because his word releases light. Now, light, light, we, I think we take light for granted. I think it's just kind of something that we, oh, okay, well, we got light. Would somebody turned on the light switch or the sun comes up, something like that. But I, I think we take it for granted, but, but the word doesn't, doesn't take it for granted. It is spoken of as being very serious in the word of God. That there are two opposing forces in the world, and that is light and dark. And so it is important to realize what happens when the word of God is spoken. And when light is released, that means everything that is evil, everything that is of the devil. The devil is the God of this world, but he cannot withstand the power and the force of God's word. He cannot, he cannot hold on to light when it is released. And so the Bible said that God saw the light that it was good. He saw the light that he said, let there be light. He looked at it. He said, it's good. So everything about light is good. Everything about dark is not so good. He saw the light that it was good, and he divided the light from the darkness. It is important in every area of your life to keep light divided from darkness. You cannot allow darkness to creep into your life and expect to be a child of faith. (laughs) Carnality is darkness. Evil is darkness. Unbelief is darkness. As a matter of fact, the Scripture said that, that we should not have an evil heart of unbelief. Unbelief is evil to God. So I want you to think about this for a moment. The moment that you decide... Not to believe God for anything, in God's eyes, it's evil. Because the just shall live by faith. We have to live by faith. It's not this cheap little faith that a lot of people have where you just profess it, you get the Holy Ghost, you talk in tongues a little bit, you get baptized in his name and all that's necessary. You must be born again in the water of the Spirit. You cannot enter the kingdom of heaven and all of that. But, but to live by faith, that means every minute, every second counts. That I am living by faith that I am not going to allow unbelief to creep into my life. I'm not going to allow it to happen. I, I'm not going to allow people to speak unbelief into my life. I'm not going to allow people to speak doubt into my life. I'm not going to allow doubt and unbelief to come across my lips because I am a child of faith and I live... By faith. I cannot be just in the sight of God without faith. Faith is everything. Everybody say faith is everything. Faith is everything. Faith is everything. Now let me, let me stop here for just a moment. Let's talk about the conversations that we have in our daily lives. We get bad news, what's the first thing we do? We call somebody to repeat it to We want to tell somebody the bad news the doctor gave us. And we are using our mouth to speak life and death. Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Meaning whatever you speak with your mouth is what you will eat. And that's why God gave us his word to speak. And so the correct response to negative news is to turn around and say, it is written. Not, not the doctor said, not the politician said, not my aunt so-and-so said, not my grandma said, not, not my husband and my wife said, but the, the Lord said, it is written. And when you begin to speak, it is written, you begin to speak the word of God, you are speaking Light and life into every situation. And as we have seen in the days of creation when God said something happened. Am I making sense? God's word is the beginning of all things. Now in 1 John chapter 1 in verse 5 the bible said this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that god is light god is light now god said let there be light and he saw the light that it was good but 1 john 1 said that god is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have ever just had something just looming in your life? Just something just caving in on you? Just just all of this trouble and all of this toil and all of this struggle and, and all of this and, and, and you the first thing you did is say God is what, what is this you? What what is this? Well I can tell you, I can tell you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Now, I understand that we have trouble and suffering. We go through wilderness and all that kind of stuff. But I, I am, uh, I, I'm not here to preach on that right now. I'm, I'm preaching on faith. And by the way, some of you probably need to redefine your wilderness because the word wilderness in the Bible is not a Hebrew word that talks about dry places or, or jagged rocks or cactuses or wild animals or anything like that. No, the, the Hebrew word for wilderness in the Bible is the Hebrew word midbar, and the only definition for the word midbar is a sound or a voice. And so the wilderness, those dry places that you find yourselves in a lot of times is God trying to suck everything else out of your life so that you can hear his voice. It's not not a bad place. It is a place for God to reveal himself in your life. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And so when the world around you gets dark, when the world around you gets dark, Listen for his voice to be speaking. Now, in verse, in verse 6, are you still with me? It said, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, if we say we have fellowship and we walk in darkness, he said we lie. And we do not the truth. If we say we have fellowship, you child of God? Yes. Are you walking in darkness? Yes. Then you lied. If we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he as in the light. If I want to be with Jesus, I got to get to where the light is. I can't have all this negativity around me. And guess what? Can I just say this for free here right now? All of those voices out there on the television and all those voices out there on the Internet, they're speaking unbelief just as hard as they can speak it. They're speaking every lie that they can speak because they are of the devil, and the devil is a liar and the father of lies. I don't want to know what the media is saying about this season. I want to know what God's Word is saying about this season. I need to get in the light so I can exercise my faith. Faith, faith releases the light of God. Start speaking faith right now. You can start speaking faith right now. Father, I don't have cancer. I do not have diabetes. I do not have a tumor in my body. I do not have high blood pressure. The enemy's trying to lie to me and tell me that, he, that my body is his temple, but my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. My marriage is not going to fall apart. My children are not going to die lost. I am not going to go bankrupt. I'm not going to lose everything that I own. And uh, sooner or later, you have to open up your mouth to begin to speak what the Word of God says. Why don't we praise him here for a moment? Come on, let's praise him here for a moment. Come on, let's praise him here for a moment. In the name of Jesus. Now, in verse 10 of First John chapter 1, it says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. His word is not in us if we say we have not sinned. We've sinned. We've sinned. And it is because of that sin and that shame and our own insecurities and the homes that we were brought up in and the fathers that never affirmed us and the mothers that didn't love us or the... Uh, the, the, the sins that we committed and we carried shame and, and, and we're ashamed of and all this kind of stuff. And we measure what God is going to do for us by what we feel like we deserve. We, we carry all of these insecurities and we are putting our insecurities on God as if he is fickle and as, as if he is a respecter of persons. He is not a respecter of persons. He's only a respecter of faith. And when you have faith and when you express faith, something happens. All of those insecurities have to go away because you say, no, I don't deserve it, but he died for me just like he died for everybody. It's not his will that any should perish. He died on the cross for my sins and my transgressions. And in that, he died so that I could have What the enemy stole from me. What sin stole from me. What the serpent deceived me with. Now, if you go to the second chapter of the book of Genesis, it opens in the very first verse. And the the serpent said to Eve, hath God said? Now, I want you to look at how quickly. John said in the beginning was the word. In Genesis 1, it said, God 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 said. God said, God said. Chapter 2 in, in, uh, opens up, and the serpent says to Eve, hath God said? Because the enemy knows how powerful that God's word is. And he is, he is after God's word in your life. Whatever he has to do to get you to spend more time Focusing on that than focusing on what God said, eventually, the spirit of deception will come into your life. And the enemy will begin to deceive you to think, well, I, I'm about to get COVID. I'm, I'm about to die right here. I'm going to die with cancer. My, my marriage is going to fall apart because the enemy is a deceiver. He is a liar and the father of lies. But I'm not here to preach a lie here today. I'm here to tell you that we've got a good God that cares about us, that wants to do things for us, that wants to perform miracles in our lives. Does anybody believe what I'm preaching here today? Amen. Luke chapter, Luke chapter 4, just doing a little teaching right now. Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. Jesus, Jesus said this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Because he he hath anointed me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach. Everybody say preach. preach. Why? Because the word is the beginning of all things. He's anointed me to preach. I have come to preach. To this generation, what Jesus was saying. This is what Jesus was saying. I've come to preach because He's anointed me to preach. He has sent me here to preach to the needs of people. He sent me to preach to the gospel of the poor, and He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach. Deliverance to the captive, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, that, I, I'm sure you know this, um, all you theologians out there, it's not, it's not deep or anything, and I, and I know that you know this, but I want to use it in this context when he's talking about the acceptable year of the Lord, he wasn't just saying, i am just come to preach some good things in, in, in the year that we're in right now, and I think it'll be acceptable unto God. No, he's talking about the year of Jubilee. Now, you study out the year of Jubilee in the Old Testament, and it didn't matter what was going on in that 50th year, you got it all back. It didn't matter what you lost, you got it all back it didn't matter what was broken it was fixed it didn't it didn't matter what what had happened on the 49th year the 48th year the 45th year the 32nd year the 27th year the 17th year the 8th year the 2nd year the 3rd year what it didn't matter because on that year that the jubilee trumpet was sounded and there was an announcement made and everything that was lost was given back. And so what Jesus was saying is everything that the devil and hell and the powers of darkness and everything in this world has stripped you of, lied to you about, has attacked you with, everything that it has removed from your life, I am here to preach to you and to tell you that it's coming back to you, that I'm going to give it all back to you, that I'm the God that cares about about where you are, and I am come to preach the, the word of God to you, and life and light and miracles are gonna happen. Oh, I wish somebody would praise him right now. I wish somebody would praise him right now. Yeah. Now, we, I, we, we've got this spickle mindset of, of Jesus. He, he's spickle. He's moody. Jesus is, is moody, you know, in, in a lot of our eyes. He's moody. And he's partial. And he's prejudiced. That's, that's the mindset that we have created of who Jesus is. It depends on what day it is as to whether it happens. It depends on what preachers laying hands on you, you know, as to whether it happens. It depends on what song is being sung, what word is being preached, and it depends on you know, what you've been through and is the storm over and do you really get it. It depends on you know, if you have you prayed and fasted enough and all this kind of stuff. And we have created this fickle Jesus that, that doesn't apparently have the ability to do exactly what he died to do. He gave his life as a ransom, as a ransom for us. But somehow we feel like we got to manipulate him to do anything for us. He loved me before I ever loved him. We, we talk about it. I love him because he first loved me. And so he loved me when I was a junkyard dog. God committed his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. He, he did that when you were an alcoholic, uh, uh, you know, just, can you say whoremonger in Maryland? <laughs> an alcoholic, I just did, I guess and a drug addict, and a lying, thieving, conniving, backbiting, gossiping. He loved you before you ever came into the house of God, before you ever picked up a Bible, before you ever repented. He loved you before you ever thought about loving him, and now you think you got to twist his arm to love you back. Is that too hard? No, no. God is not only light, you can be seated, but he is love. God is light and he is love. God is light and he is love. His love is unconditional. He heard what you said to so and so yesterday and he still loves you anyway. Now, now he can't pardon your sin unless you repent of your sin, but it doesn't stop him from loving you. He still loves you and he responds to faith. He is a respecter. Of faith. And I'm gonna, tell you, I'm gonna tell you how crazy that God is about faith. You think that He's gotta have a reason to do something for you. You don't have to have a reason to do for, something for you other than faith. You say, no, 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 everything's got to have a purpose. Everything's got to matter. I mean, God's got to have a reason to answer my prayer. Then explain to me why Peter walked on water. What was the purpose of Peter walking on water? Why in the world Peter's sitting in the boat and saying, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. He said, come on. And Peter, watch this, Peter gets out of the boat and, and begins to sink because he stepped out of the boat with his eyes on Jesus. But when he got out of the boat, he got his eyes on the problem. That's not the first time you've ever heard that preached but that's what we do. Man, our faith is high on Sunday. God, I'm getting out of the boat tonight. Man, I'm going to get my miracle today. God's going to do something powerful in my life, but all of a sudden you get a letter in the mail on Tuesday, and you start looking at the winds and the waves, and faith begins to taper, and you begin to sink and feel like God has let you down. God didn't let you down. Your faith let you down, and God doesn't need a reason to do something in your life. He just needs you to believe what he will do in your life. Well, I feel faith in the house right now. Now, in in Matthew chapter, uh, have I messed anything up yet? All right. In Matthew chapter 13 and verse 15, the scripture said, for this people's heart is waxed gross. Everybody say gross. It means dead. It means dull. This people's heart is dull; it's numb, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Now, this, of course, is the parable of the wheat and the tares—the first time that ever, ever uh, that Jesus ever spoke to anybody in parables. And his disciples asked him, said, Lord, why are you speaking in parables? Why don't you just talk plainly? I mean, you were, you were just explaining everything so easy. And we got through the Sermon on the Mount not long ago. And you were just talking about, you know, blessed is this and blessed is that. and Blessed are these and so on. Un- easy to understand. And now you're speaking to them in parables. This is what Jesus said to them. He said, because to you it is given to understand the mysteries of the kingdom. But to them it is not given. It's given to you to understand the mysteries of the kingdom, but to them it is not given. And so faith is a mystery. Faith is a mystery. The presence of God is a mystery. The doctrine of salvation is a mystery. The oneness of God is a mystery because it requires revelation. And the only way to have revelation is by faith. Faith releases revelation. Unbelief causes blindness. And so God will allow the minds and the eyes and the ears to be blind and deaf, and they will be dumb in their mind. When somebody says you're trying to explain truth to them, and it's there in black and white, you explain it 17 ways from Sunday, they look at you and say, I just can't see it. They're telling the truth because they're an unbeliever. Unbelief causes blindness. Faith releases revelation. But how many people have repented of their sins, been baptized in the name of Jesus, filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, and they are still blind because they don't understand the mystery of what God. It is a mystery why God wants to do all these things in our lives. Why does he want to do this when we make mistakes every day, when we say things that we don't mean every day and some things that we do mean, but we shouldn't have said it. We, we don't pray like we should. We're, we're not as faithful as we should. Why in the world does God want to do these things in our life? It's a mystery to me. But it was his plan from the beginning. It is God's desire to release light. All you need is God's word to op- for him to open up his mouth and speak in his word. Now, he said, they've closed their eyes. They have stopped their ears. Their, their heart is waxed gross. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted. Watch, and I should heal them. I can't heal them because they think they know it all. I can't heal them because they're trying to figure out why and how and when I'm going to do this. And I don't need them to figure that out. All I need to do is express faith. Do you know that the only prayer that we are commanded to pray for the sick in the Bible is the prayer of faith? We do not have to have a word from the Lord to pray the prayer of faith. We do not have, a, have to have a prophetic word. We do not have to pray in, if, if it's your will, Lord, if it's your will. How many times have apostolics laid hands on people, Lord, if it's your will? No, it is his will. It's exactly what he died to do. If he died to forgive you of your sins, he died to heal you of the symptoms of sin, which is sickness and disease and the breaking down of the body. Am I making sense this, this morning? Come on, I've, I've come to preach faith to you and tell you that there is something so powerful when, you, when it dawns on you that you can't earn what God is going to do in your life, but you can believe it into your life, and God will release something so powerful in your world that it will blow your mind and, and the minds of everybody around you. It is the gospel. It is the gospel. I have come to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. I've come to give you a jubilee. Now he said in verse 16, he said, But blessed are your eyes, for they see. Everybody say, Anoint my eyes, Lord. Everybody say, Anoint my ears, God. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many, listen, prophets and righteous men, have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. Jesus was doing something that had never before been seen by humanity, not Elijah, not Moses, not Joshua, not David, not Ezekiel, not Isaiah, not even not even John the Baptist until Jesus come on the scene and John didn't even get to see it because he got arrested and he sent his messengers to Jesus and said, are you the one or do we look for another? He said, tell John. He said, the blind receive their sight, the deaf hear, the lame walk, and the dead are raised to life again. And blessed is he that is not offended in me. How many times have we got offended because the Lord didn't come when we thought he was going to come? Go back and exercise your faith again. You don't have a faith quota. You don't have a certain amount of faith requests that you can put before the Lord. You can express your faith any time day or night there is nothing that you that he, you can that you're not allowed to believe him for you, you do not have a ticket that says I've only got 10 faith requests. No, you've got an unlimited. And so if you pray it the first time and it don't happen, pray it again. And if it doesn't happen the second time or the 10th time or the 18th time, pray it again. But express your faith and speak the word. The word is the source of life and light. And when you speak it, faith is released. Now, here, here is what else we know about faith. Here's what else we know. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Would you come here for a second, Brother Johnson? Just stand right here and face them. And I want, I want you to just hold this word like that. Just hold it as tight as you can. Now, this is John 1 and 14. I, I know it's not exactly John 14, but, 1 and 14, but you understand what I'm saying. His word was wrapped in flesh. Now, we don't just have it in our hands. We've got it in here. It's the word wrapped in flesh. In the beginning was the word. That means if the word is speaking, the word will say things like let there be no, no, you, you're not believing what I'm saying. Let there be, no, we got to beg God, no, we've got to pound the floor. no, we have to kick a hole in the wall. we've got we've got to just beg and plead and fast 97 days and, and we've got to do all and cut ourselves and all that kind of stuff. no, 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 because none of that is going to earn anything from the Lord. but if you begin to pray in the spirit, Sometimes we know not what to pray for as we ought to pray, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession with groanings that cannot be uttered. It helpeth our infirmities. Uh, The Spirit helpeth our infirmities. So when the Spirit begins to pray out of you, it's like this book coming alive. It is the word speaking out of flesh. We got to quit praying just prayers in the flesh. Let me tell you what prayers in the flesh sound like. Now, Lord, Lord, if you, if you wouldn't mind doing this for me, Lord, if, if, if you would just, if you would, Lord, please help me, God. If you please just help me. That's what prayer, that's what fleshly prayers sound like. Lord, I, I don't know if you'll do this for me, but God, I, I just, I, Lord, if you could just find it somewhere in, in your big, wonderful heart to do this for me, I would just do this and do that and do that, and God's going, well, look, you can't earn it so either you believe it or not. You should already be doing this, this, and this, but I'm not going to do this just because you do this, this, and this. I will do it because my word says that I will do it, and I will do it because I took your place on the cross. You were on death row, but I became sin for you that you may be made the righteousness of God. Word. Wrapped in flesh, I'm preaching the word. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Every time you read the scripture, every time you speak the scripture, every time you memorize the scripture, faith is coming. say, I don't know how to exercise my faith. Quote the word. Because when you quote the word, faith cometh by hearing. Cancer begins to hear the word. And cancer says, well, I got to back up because God is taking charge right now. Come on, it releases. Am I making sense right now? Some of you need to understand that you have the word of God on the inside of you. You've got the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. What is in this book is on the inside of you. That's why you can read. Help me preach right now. That's why you can read this book. And there will be a verse that you hadn't read in 10 years, but you'll be talking to somebody or you'll be praying and all of a sudden that verse explodes out of you. Where did it come from? It came from the word that's on the inside of you. His word has authority and dominion over everything. Now, thank you. Hold on to that. Just hold on to it. You can can sit down, but just hold on to it. You're going to hold on to it for everybody in here. Now, when God, the, the only thing that can resist God's word, there's only one thing. Anybody know what it is? Anybody know what it is? I told you before we ever started today what we wanted to pray against, flesh, only flesh. Can resist his word. The lion can't resist his word. Tigers and leopards and jackrabbits and all that. They can't, they can't resist his word. The clouds can't resist its word. The waves of the sea cannot resist his word. Even the rocks will cry out if he wants them to. They they cannot resist God's word. Only flesh can resist God's word. Now, if you don't believe that, go back to creation. When there was nothing, there was an earth that was without form and and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. But when God said, the dry land didn't say, oh, God, please let me appear. Oh, oh, and the waves didn't say, oh, Lord, please let me recede off the land. The the herb-yielding seed didn't say, oh, God, please Please let let me be planted in the ground. No, he said it. He said, let the sun, the stars, and the moon. The moon didn't begin to cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, are you sure? I, I mean, please let me be set. No, no, because those things in creation responded exactly when he said it. When he said it, it was already done. When he said it, it was already done. When he told that strong east wind to come and blow on the Red Sea, the waves didn't have a choice but to stand up straight. They said, we don't normally do this, but because he said it, we're going to do it. We have to do it. Are you listening? They, the way, Waves don't stand up and create a dry path. Through, through the ocean, but because God said it. When he speaks, it's already done. The only thing that can resist it is flesh. So your flesh will lie to you. These five senses that we operate in, the mind, the will, and the emotions of the fallen nature will lie to you. But if you can tap into the spirit and realize that when I exercise my faith, everything else has to obey. It is, it is already done. Everybody say, it's already done. It's already done. We've got something called a will. We've got something called a will, and our will can be stubborn. Now, in this place, there's all kind of needs. Some of, some of you just, you just might need peace. You just might need peace. In this place are all kind of needs. There's all kinds of needs. Let me tell you something. The enemy is not gonna win this season. And it, it does not matter what the enemy does. I need you to hear this preacher right now. It does not matter what the enemy does. The enemy can do whatever he wants to do and he will still lose. He can unleash everything in his arsenal, and he will still lose. He can burn the earth down, and he will still lose. He, he can send a Goliath. God knows how to take care of that. He can send a thousand Philistines. All he needs is a Samson he, and a jawbone of an ass. God, God will use whatever he has available, whatever is willing to be used. He is not going to lose this battle. Now, Brother Johnson, Brother Johnson, I need you one more time. I would pay you, but I don't have anything to pay you just for helping me out. But I need you to verify something for me. Are, you, are y'all good? I hope I hadn't upset you. All right. Just, just verify that I'm reading this word for word. And you can put it on the scripture, Isaiah 53. Who hath believed our report to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form of comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Have I missed anything? He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Now in my app here, I've got that word grief highlighted. Is that correct? click on it, it brings up the Hebrew meaning. Now would you read those two words that define the meaning of grief? A masculine noun? Just these two words. Oh. <laughs> It is a masculine noun, and so am I. Those two words right there.
0: Sickness and disease.
1: It means disease and sickness. He's a man of sorrows. That word sorrow in the Hebrew, don't worry about it, man. We're having fun. It needs to be loosened up anyway because I got people all messed up here this morning. All right. But that word sorrow means pain. He's a man of pain and he is acquainted with grief or disease or sickness. Isaiah 53. He's a man of pain and acquainted with disease and sickness. But he knew no sin and he was never sick, but he became sickness For us, that we may be made well. Now, I'm here to speak against fear right now. Now, you can be seated and don't, we're friends now. (laughs) Surely he hath borne. Our grief. Let me click on it again and see if it's the same Hebrew word. And it is. It means disease and sickness. He hath borne our disease and sickness. Now, let me tell you, am I okay? Let me tell you where we go wrong, and I'm closing. Let me tell you where we go wrong. We we get to a place and we're looking over here and That person died, and this one died, and this one's sick, and this one was diagnosed, and this one got a bad report, and this one got a report. But he started Isaiah 53 with this question. Whose report will you believe? Whose report? Whose report? It To me, I am compassionate toward anybody that has suffered through disease and sickness, my mother died of cancer when I was, she was 52 years old. I was 19. I've been essentially alone since I was 19 years old. But that does not shake my faith because my mother died of cancer at 52. What it tells me is there were things that I didn't know, we didn't know about God's word then That we should know now. We should have more revelation as time goes on, not less revelation. Now, you tell me why a loving God is asking people to do his work and to follow and pursue after a calling, but he wants you to do it at 50% capacity or 30% capacity and 80% capacity. Can I just say this right now? You can fix this after I'm done here. Please do not tell people that God is using your sickness to bring others to Christ. It's not biblical. It, there's no Bible for it. God died for the sins of humanity, and he will draw all men unto him. He does not have to punish his people to bring a drunkard dog sinner out there to him. You <laughs> have come out of sin into kingdom ministry and kingdom promises and you walk and live in the power of God. I'm going to preach here in this last 60 seconds of this message and tell you that it's time for us to live in the word and believe in the word and have faith in God and not faith in what another is saying not have faith in what the media is saying not pay attention to what the lying devil is saying we trust and we believe in the Word of God who is above all. He is above all. Come on. I'm preaching. I'm not preaching to everybody. I'm only preaching to believers here. This morning, if you want to stay the way that you are, you have the right to do that. But if you want God to pull you out of something and you want God to do something so divine and dynamic and miraculous in your life, it is here this morning, but you've got to stand on His Word. Would you lift your hands right now?
0: Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without really knowing the exact path it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. So be sure to subscribe and watch us on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm gonna wait on your cheeks I'm gonna wait